Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Morning, y'all. If you could grab your Bibles. If you could grab your Bibles and go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, that's the second book in the New Testament. It is Father's Day, and so um, I can do what I want because I'm a dad. Every dad knows how this works, so I'm wearing a hat that uh, I bought for myself for Father's Day. It's my Dodger hat that's cooler than all my other Dodger hats, so... uh, and I, who knows what direction I'm going to go in this morning. It's Father's Day. I can go wherever I want. I can eat whatever I want, go wherever. I, the whole family has to go at my bidding. So this is my question for you this morning. What do you want your last words on this earth to be? So think about it. You're there at the end. It's like, <gasps> the last words. What would they be? Jesus had last words, and his last words are the words that he entered into his GPS before he ever started life. And what I mean by that is, uh, we all know what GPS is, right? Global Positioning System. Actually, I didn't even practice that ahead of time. I just went with that. You know, you hear an acronym, and you think, I think it's this. I'm pretty sure I nailed that one. And I didn't even get any, Max is giving me the thumbs up, so I nailed that one. Um, we all know what GPS is. It used to be, it was this huge thing connected to your uh, car, almost like the uh, phones that were the length of your forearm. You had this big thing in your car, and you're like, look at this, I can go wherever I want. And you type in the direction where you wanted to be, and it's supposed to get you where you want to go. Well, it doesn't work that way in life. And with us, you can't say, this is where I want to end up, and that's where I'm going to be. I mean, you may have a goal, like I want to be a CEO of a company, I want to be a head cheerleader, I want to own my own boat. All of those are not great things you want to enter into your GPS. It's not, you're going to get there and go, oh man, I should have put something else in. What we mean by GPS is that who is your GPS? Does it make sense? That's much different than what you enter in. It's where you're at the will of the GPS. Most of you don't even know how to get anywhere nowadays, right? Like, you don't even have your closest friends or your spouse's cell numbers memorized, right? You're like, I I wouldn't know how to call you. I've got you in my phone. If I don't have my phone there, I don't know how to get a hold of you, right? Well, with our GPS, it's kind of the same way, right? If If you don't enter it in, and if your GPS goes down, you have no idea to get there, right? You know, down by, I don't even know those streets anymore. All I do is I listen to the GPS, and it gets me where I need to go. That's what we're talking about this morning. Who is your GPS? Because Jesus knew who his GPS was. That's why at the end he could say, it is finished. Those were his last words. Those were the last words of Jesus. How cool would that be to know that you made it? How cool would it be to go, I was sent here for a reason and I accomplished it? How cool would it be to have the Father, the real Father, Our Father, say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Meaning you accomplished what you were here to do. 
But who's in charge of the GPS? Who is your GPS? And this is the way it's going to work too. You're going to have a plan all set up. You're going to have a plan of where you want to be and how you're supposed to get there. I mean, I had this situation the other day. We were dropping the boys off at youth group, and it was the last one, and I didn't know how to get to the Hong's house. They'd moved. I didn't know how to get there. So what do we do? We entered it in the GPS, right? So now you're at the complete will of your iPhone connected to the car telling you how to get there. And so as we're driving, as typically happens, I mean, you think that the fights would disappear once we had GPS, Right? Like before GPS, we'd always brawl with who, you shouldn't, especially if you're married, right? That's when it's, it's on. So the GPS is supposed to fix that, but it doesn't work that way. So we're driving and, and I've got the boys and, and one of the boys has it. And I'm like, okay, because it's not going through the speaker system. I'm like, you just got to tell me where to go. Tell me where, tell me where we're supposed to be. And then we get to this point where I'm like, you were supposed to turn. I was like, you didn't tell me. And then I just lose it, right? Because that's what you do because they're supposed to have this. All. So I'm yelling and they're yelling back at me and we're yelling. What's the big deal? It's only going to reroute you. You're going to get there. But we're thrown off. I don't know if it's like built into our genes or something and we haven't like outgrown it yet, but that's how it is with the Lord a lot of times. He'll get us there if we trust him, but then we get off course. Either our choice or some other thing, we, we, we get off course. Someone hurt us, something did this, and we get all thrown off. Just relax. You're going to get redirected if you're listening to him. And we were at the complete disposal, the complete surrender to the GPS because we weren't going to get there otherwise. It wasn't a smooth ride to get there, but we'll get there. Who's in charge of your GPS? Who is your GPS? I don't want to overplay the analogy, but it, it, in my head, it's, it's so appropriate for my life. So what we're doing for the next 12 weeks, this is week number two, we're going through a series called Your Verse. Um, we, uh, our creative director has, he's very busy, he's got a lot going on, so we, uh, we stole this um, graphic, and um, I liked it a lot, I thought it was really cool, until he said, because he's, he's our creative director, he's kind of in charge of whatever we do, and he said, uh, it's kind of magic Mike-ish, isn't it? <laughs> I never noticed. Um, maybe so. But the whole purpose of it is, notice on his arm, there's all these verses. So we've chosen verses that we want to memorize every week. So last week, we, we chose the granddaddy of all the verses, the greatest commandment. The Lord was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said to love, um, well, I don't need to say because you guys memorize it, right? You got your card, you put it on your fridge, you put it in your car, you put it in your wallet, you put it on your iPhone. So when you need to get somewhere GPS-wise, it was right there so you can memorize it, Right? What's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, the verse we're looking at today is, well, it's the, you're going, oh, good, that's an easy one. I can memorize that. <laughs> no, no, that's not it. Sorry. But the verse we're memorizing today is, if you were given permission to write into your GPS, the Lord would want you to write this in there. If, if you want to know how you're supposed to live life, which is really what this is about, because you don't know where you're going to end up. You don't know where you're going to be on your last day. 
but you do want to know that you accomplish your task. So what is your task? That's the verse we're memorizing today. So I want to, uh, if I could, could we have the ushers pass out the card for this week, for this verse, um, and it's tied to the greatest commandment. Every verse you're going to get from here on out is tied because everything is connected to the great commandment. In fact, it says that all of the law hangs on these two commandments. So the verse that we're going to memorize is Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This verse is directional. It's not going to tell you where you end up, but it's going to tell you where to turn every step of the way. And that's really all you care about, right? All we really want to know is what am I supposed to do next? What should I do here? What should I do there? We hear the question all the time as, uh, as pastors, what should I do with my life? This. If you just stay the course here, for even the Son of Man, if you, if you realize you're not here to be served but to serve, that tells you which way to turn. How can you best serve God? How can you best serve others? That will get you where you want to go. We're so caught up. What if I end up in the wrong place? You will not end up in the wrong place if this is your passage. If you live your life for God, knowing that even Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away as a ransom for many, you'll get where you're supposed to get. So you don't have to stress about that. You don't have to worry. So in memorizing these verses... You don't want to just memorize them. You want to know the context. So let's say you weren't here last Sunday, right? All of this is podcast. But even if you didn't listen to the podcast, you don't need a pastor to tell you how to read the Bible. Just read the Bible. So read before Matthew twenty-two thirty-six. Read before that. What's happening? Ask, think of the questions you would ask. What's happening here? That's how you study the passage. You ask questions. Look at it. And then look afterwards. So you want to see it in its context, so for this passage, we don't want to just pull this verse out of nowhere and just start looking at it. We want to say, okay, what, what happened in this? So this is what's going on. So we know Jesus had his 12 disciples, his 12 students, his 12 apprentices. And so he had three that he was really close with um, for whatever reason, Peter, James, and John. Have you ever said something that was just so dumb that you wish you hadn't said it? But like you were thinking it, and most of the time we're thinking dumb things, but then every once in a while it slips out, or maybe it slips out all the time, which is why it's always wise to say less. Well, James and John had one of those moments. And in fact, it's in, uh, it's in Mark and it's in Matthew. And in Matthew, it blames it on the mom. Sorry. But then the boys listen to their mom and then they repeat it. So the mom's like, hey, you should talk to them about this. But in Mark, it doesn't mention the mom. So Mark was probably trying to protect the mom or whatever. But it says, James and John came to Jesus and they said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we want. Okay, did that really just come out? Oh, it gets worse. So then Jesus, for even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. Doesn't mean he does whatever we want, but he serves us. He wants what's best for us. So he says, what do you want me to do for you? And then this is when they just should stop talking. Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left when you enter into your glory. Which 
in their minds, he was going to overthrow the government. God's kingdom was going to come down. Jesus was going to be sitting there. And then he could put his arm on James. What's up, man? On John. What's up, guys? Let's rule. That's how they thought it was going to be. That's how they were looking at it. They were missing the point. In fact, this passage, can you imagine the other 10 guys? When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant. Nobody really uses that word, right? Like, maybe you know what it is, but you never really use it. I was indignant. Have any of you used that in the past month? I was totally indignant. I'm incredulous. No, you don't throw those words around. So sometimes the scripture needs to be tweaked a little bit. They threw shade. I don't know if you know what that means. It's, I heard that's the cool way to say it nowadays. Basically like, seriously? Did you just, we're all here. Did you not see us? Like they were there. And they're like, can you put us above all the rest of them? We kind of want to be on the throne with you. And so of course they were indignant. So Jesus explains to them that verse, for even the Son of Man. So this is what he says before he gets to Mark 10, 45. He says, you know that the rulers in this world, which you want to be, they lord it over their people. And the officials will flaunt their authority over those under them. And that's usually what happens in countries. That's what's happened in the history. Leaders get in power and they, it, it takes over. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. That sentence just doesn't make any sense. And whoever wants to be first among you, like James and John, you must be the slave of everyone else. It's like, wait, what? Because the leaders, you're supposed to serve everyone else. That's what we're supposed to be here for. I know I've shared this story before, but it, it's such a, a critical picture in my life of what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a human being. When Jesus says, for even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, I think that this situation explains it to me. We had rented out, when uh, we planted Shoreline, we would rented out um, a theater to, pray, to play the uh, Chronicles of Narnia. That tells you how long ago it was. So it came out, we rented out these theaters. Um, actually, I think we only rented out one. We could only afford one. And so we had people come. And so um, one, of, uh, they were, one of the elders, their kids, they were really young at the time. Now they're, one just graduated from college and two are in them. And, but they were kids at the time, and they had cruddy seats. You know, like when the theater's packed. Um, uh, I remember as a kid, one time my brother and I walked in late, and we had to sit in the front left at the theater looking from the side, the Rodney Dangerfield one where there's, he goes back to college. I don't know why my parents let me see. That's not really one a kid should be going to see. But we had those kind of seats. Well, this elder of the church, that's where his kids were sitting. They were like in the worst seats possible. And uh, they're like, Dad, you're kind of like the boss here. Can't you, like, get us some better seats? And he said, well, it's because I'm the boss that we're sitting here. That's always stuck with me. That's, in fact, that's what we say about our elders. That's what we say about anybody at leadership. I say, look, if there's anyone going to be in leadership, anyone doing worship, anyone um, on the elder team, anyone leading any ministry, they need to be the ones taking out the trash. Not because they were told to, but because that's just who they are. Because that's someone that smells like Christ. That's what a leader is. They're a servant. And so he's trying to say, look, if you want to be first, you're going to choose to take those seats because you know who you are. And that's when he then says the verse that we're memorizing for this week. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. As he's sharing this, they're hearing something that we're not hearing because these are Jewish men that have memorized the Old Testament. Not because they're special, but that's because what every Jewish boy did. And these fishermen, tax collectors, these different men, when they hear this, there's certain words that are clicking, certain words that are popping up, and they're like, he's quoting from that. Jesus is pulling words, he's pulling themes from the book of Isaiah, written 600 years before he came about the Messiah, about the Son of God, to tell everyone this is what the Son of God's gonna look like. And it's from Isaiah 53, verse 10. Because they wouldn't know this. They would have this memorized. And in Isaiah 53, 10, this is how it describes the Messiah that's going to come. If you were to enter in the GPS, the final destination, what's the Messiah going to be like? How's it going to end up like this? So Jesus says, quoting from Isaiah 53, 10, so this is Isaiah quoting, the Lord decided his servant would suffer as a sacrifice to take away the sin and guilt of others. Now the servant will live to see his own descendants. He did everything the Lord had planned. By suffering, the servant will learn the true meaning of obeying the Lord. Although he is innocent, he will take the punishment for the sins of of others. Remember, this is written 600 years before Jesus walks the earth so that we would have no doubt. There's so many different passages, but this is a key one to say, this is what the Messiah is supposed to look like. So here you have James and John going, hey, we want to sit on your throne. It's like, do you not remember? Do you not remember how the Messiah is supposed to come? The Messiah is not going to sit on a throne ruling. He's going to die. He's going to pay the price. Although he is innocent, he will take the punishment for the sins of others so that many of them will no longer be guilty. So that many of them, that should bring you right back to that verse. I could bring it back up on the screen, but you have the card, right? For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, for all of us. That word ransom I think there's a great description. Um, there's this uh, tribe in Mexico. And so they don't read English. They don't read German. They don't read French. You know, the, the typical translations you'd expect for the Bible. So many of these tribes will have the Bible translated into their own language. And so the way they have that verse, Mark 10, 45, says this. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away so that many others would have life. So in their language, they don't use the word ransom. He gave his life so that they could have life. That is what we're here to do. When you're wondering how you should turn left and how you should turn right, if that's the theme, if that's what's guiding you as you're listening, well, should I, should I? Are you coming to serve or to be served? Oh, if I come to be served and have it my way, I'm going that way. But if I'm coming to pour my life out for you and especially for others, then I'm going to turn this way. That's how you know which way to go. And so as James and John are losing their way, he's saying, look, remember. Remember from Isaiah, because you got it memorized, right? Well, now I'm telling you, for even the Son of Man, even me, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life away so that others could have life. So what do we do with this? What does this look like in regular life? And so I'm going to show another passage. 
I love choosing as many passages as possible. Sometimes you can have too many scriptures. Sometimes you can have too many scriptures and you kind of get lost. But hopefully you won't get lost looking at this. Um, actually, let me go back. So Jesus is he's in a situation where someone comes to him. And they say, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. So they're coming to Jesus. And they're coming not to him as Lord, not as boss, but really they're coming to him thinking he's like a lawyer, a lawyer of the law. And so they've got a problem and they want him to be the judge. And as we look at the parable that he's going to give, it explains to us how not to live our life. So when Jesus says, for even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for, as, as a ransom for many, this guy that he's going to explain in this parable does the exact opposite. He's living the exact opposite of the way he's supposed to live life. And so the way he gets to that place of sharing this parable is with this guy. And then Jesus responds to him, look, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Basically saying, look, that's not my job. And then he said to him, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Why is he saying that? Because this guy's greedy. He's not saying, hey, me and my brother, we're not getting along. We got this, you know, our, our father passed away. We've got this inheritance. Can you help me and my brother work this out? No, he's like, can you make sure he gives me what is mine? Should have turned left, but he turned right. And then he says, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And then he goes on to describe what that looks like. So he tells him a parable or a story. And the story is meant for us to put ourselves into the story. So this certain man... His harvest, he's a farmer, they all are, they're subsistence farmers, that's pretty much how most people live, it blows up. Okay, he's done the same things he always does, but for some reason, this year, the rain, the sun, the weather, whatever, the birds didn't come and eat the seeds, there was some whatever that kept the birds away, it just blows up. He's got the corn, he's got the potatoes, they don't grow all that stuff, but you get the, you get the picture here, right? There's asparagus galore. He's got so much, he doesn't even know what to do with it. So he thinks to himself, what shall I do? He's literally talking to himself. What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And when the people that are there, the Jewish people hear this story, there's a couple things they're picking up that we're going to miss. He says to himself, he's talking to himself. That's not how Jewish people do this. Should I turn left? Should I turn right? No. What they do is they talk to each other. They're in community. But if someone's talking to themselves, if someone's making decisions by themselves, they're alone. And that's what greed will do to us. That's when we live to be served. This isn't just about money. This is bigger than money. This is bigger than possessions. But when you live just to acquire, just to get for yourself, you're going to isolate yourself. You may have people around you, but you're still alone. Think about all the quarrels and the arguments that you're in right now where you have separated yourself from someone else. It's because you're not getting what you want. It may have nothing to do with inheritance or money, but you're not getting what you want. You even want to go somewhere, but I'm not going there because the last time I was there, they did this. It might even be a particular person. It could be Sprouts. Well, Sprouts opened up and there was no parking and I tried to go there and I, 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 I'm never going there again. You didn't get what you wanted. Now take it to something that really matters, relationships. So this guy's alone. And so he looks at this situation. He looks at his stuff and he's like, look, man, I got to keep my, how do I, what do I do with all this? What do you mean, what do you do with all this? You got too much. You should be giving it away. But no, that's not how he thinks. 
Instead, he says, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I'm going to store my surplus grain. Notice what he says. I'm going to tear down my barns, my grain, my, it's my, 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 it's mine. I love what uh, Augustine said. He said this, he said, he, he was writing a commentary on this. He said, this man did not realize that the bellies of the poor were much safer storerooms than his barns. I mean, he's got this surplus. And he thinks if he keeps it, he's going to be satisfied. Because he has what a lot of us have, that fear there's not going to be enough. Why do you think we had to do endless bacon? Think about it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, look, I made some bacon this morning. Everybody come eat. And everybody's looking. They're counting how many people are around there. They're seeing how much bacon's there. That's when it kicks in, right? Because there's this fear. Even with bacon, there might not be enough. I got to get enough. We do that. That's what we do. And so this man has this fear of his possessions. He has this surplus, but what, what if I don't have enough? How many times do you look at your retirement, your 401k, or how much is coming in, how much, we have this fear, it's just this constant fear. Instead, we should be thinking completely different. Not how's this gonna serve me, but how can I use what I have to care for others? And many of you are going, look, I know we're talking about this surplus of possessions, but I don't have a surplus, That's not the point. You have something. You've been entrusted with something. You've been entrusted with it to serve others. I think of that widow that had just a few pennies and she gave the little she had to care for others. That's what we do. That's what the widow did. That's what we do, whether you feel like you have a surplus or not. And this isn't just about money. You could put anything into that place. A surplus of time. A surplus of intelligence. A lot of you just think you're all that in a bag of chips with your brains. And so you're figuring out how you can use it for yourself. It's meant to be served. You've got to be honest with yourself. You know what you're good at. So how are you using it to bless others? Some of you have a surplus of faith. How are you using that to bless others? Some of you have a, 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 a surplus of, of love. You've got to give it away. Some of you have a surplus of insight, of spiritual gifts, of abilities. You're meant to give it away. This is the perfect Sunday to do this on Father's Day because that is the definition of a man. That's what we're supposed to do. My son's turning 15. I stole this rite of passage from my, um, one of my mentors. So before my kids were even born, I was like, when my kids turn 15, this is what we're doing. He would take his kids away somewhere. He'd take them away to a weekend, just them, not the siblings. And um, he had three boys. And so he'd bring the men in their life around them. And he'd bring them and then he would say, I want you to talk to my son about what it means to be a man. And I'm like, oh, I'm so doing that. <laughs> Same for my daughter. This is what it means to be a woman, except I can't be the one that takes her away. So Stephanie will take them away. But so I asked my son, I said, okay, I want you to pick the men that you want to grow up to be like and ask them to come to teach you what it means to be a man. If all they brought was this verse, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life away as a ransom for many and they've given what he needs. That's what men are here for. That's what women are here for. But men, it's built into you, right? Like you want to protect, provide, and care for others. And we're not talking about just biological dads. I have men in my life, that mentor I was talking about. He's not my dad. He didn't give birth to me. But he's a father in my life. Because he came to serve me. 
I have so many different men, Nick, Larry, Dana, men in my life that have poured themselves out for me and they're not my biological dads. And you can be a biological dad and not be living this out. Coming to serve rather than to be served. We lose our way. But if we can just remember that and keep that on the GPS, the Lord will take us where we need to be. He will reroute us as long as we keep coming back to it. And that's one of the reasons why we want to memorize these verses. So they're in us. So when you reach those moments, and I've reached several in this week where I take that verse and I'm, I just, I pray that verse. Not necessarily for direction, but just to focus. But this man, he thinks, oh, this is how I'm going to be satisfied. If I can keep this stuff, then I can take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. That is not going to give him full life. There's nothing wrong with eating. There's nothing wrong with drinking. There's nothing wrong with being merry. Some of you were at one of our friend's parties last night, and you were there till one in the morning. You know who you are. Actually, some of you aren't here because you're just still sleeping. And we were eating, and we were drinking, and we were being merry. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not why we're here. It's going to go on big time when we get home. We can still do that, but that's not what we're here for. That's not what's going to turn us right and left. We enjoy that. And that fuels us for what we're supposed to be doing. But God said to this man, you fool. And that word fool in the Greek language actually rhymes with the word joy that the man uses earlier. Well, I'll, just be, I'll be stoked. I'll be joyful. I'll have all this. And then Jesus takes that word and switches it around and it, it rhymes. So instead of joy, he says fool. So if he said, this is cool, he's like, you a fool. <laughs> That's how he does it. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. He's telling him, look, your life was on loan and now it's time to turn it back in. Wait, what? I thought this was mine. No, 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 no. I gave it to you. It was on loan. I entrusted you with it. And now it's time. This past week, we got to see this as a family straight up. We had to do our, our life, will, and testament. Sit there and sign papers, and they're going, okay, so this is going to go here, and this is going to go. I'm like, so we don't need to get to keep any of this, do we? And this is where your retirement goes, this is where your house is going to go, and, this, and it's like, yeah, I guess it's all gone. I don't get to keep any of this stuff. Like, you can talk about it, but when you see it on a piece of paper and you're signing it, and they said, so if you both die at the same time, like, oh, it's so morbid. Well, then if you go first or if she goes first and you're looking at this going, this is going to happen. Like this, this is going to happen to us where that time is going to come. And this guy's last words, <laughs> let's look at this guy's last words. It says, take life easy. So it could have been, it is finished or take life easy. That's not what you want. That's, that's not going to bring you joy on the way there because the joy is in the journey. Sometimes it's not. When you get rerouted, you get irritated, you get upset, but to know with confidence that you're going where you're supposed to be. Is there anything better than that? Is there anything that brings more joy than knowing that you're going where you're supposed to be? So what does this look like? Well, I mean, literally, what does this look like? Well, it's Father's Day, so I want to highlight a few men that just in the past few weeks have shown me what this looks like. And there's so many other men I can mention. Um, some of you will be anonymous. Some of you will be straight up just rolled under the bus. But um, uh, there's a, a friend of a friend, and she was in need. And so we went to her house uh, a couple weeks ago, and a couple of the leadership of the church were like, let's go and let's, let's work at her house. Let's help out. I couldn't go on that Saturday because my kids had a contest, so we went on Friday, and I 
threw the kids in the car and we went. And when we got there, she's like, oh yeah, Joe's in the back. And I'm like, no, we're the only ones supposed to be here. This must be one of your other friends. No, Joe from the church. I'm thinking, who's Joe? I don't know any Joes. And so when I turned the corner, there he is, Joey D, Joey Duran. Hey, what's up, bro? And he's in the back using his pump. You might think, why does he have a pump to, to ditch the pool? So he's taking water out of it. And I'm like, where'd you get the pump? Was it already here? He goes, no, it's mine, bro. What does he use it for? Because when he was younger, he used to go and use this pump, which was his possession, to empty out pools so he could skate them. <laughs> and so he kept it just in case the time arises. He's actually gotten arrested before. I don't know if he wants me to tell you that. In fact, I didn't even get his permission on this. But back in the day, but here he is using that possession to serve. And he's all by himself on his day off back there serving. Nobody would have known if we showed up. There's two other men that I think of. You cannot tell them you have anything broken at your house. You cannot tell them. I, Dennis is always going to say, hey, how's that door working? I go, I'm not telling you anything that's going on in my house. Because if I tell Dennis anything's broken in my house, he will be there that night or the next morning to fix it. So a few weeks ago, he goes, hey, hey, what about, what do you need? I go, I'm not telling you, man, because I know how you do. You'll show up at my house. Chad Fitzgerald, the same way. He's like, hey, did you get that taken care of? I'm like, yeah, I totally lie. Because I don't want them showing up because I know they'll do that. And I will take, but that's how they live. It's not like this burden. They're not, they don't do it just for me. Some of you are laughing because you know them. And you know like, oh my gosh, they just showed up and replaced my screens. I got to keep this a secret. Otherwise, they're going to be here all the time because I never fix anything in my house. But that's who they are. I think of Patrick. I knew I could call him about doing bacon. His foot hurts like no other, but he's here serving because that's the kind of, he's always been that to me and so many other people. That's what we're here to do. Stefan Ridquist is always praying for me. I mean, like always. Like I'm like, okay, I almost died a year and a half ago and you're still praying. Like I think I'm good. The guy won't stop. And if you know Stefan, he's praying for you too. Because that's how he serves. He serves in so many other ways, but he's, he's a man of God. And when you're a man of God or you're a woman of God, you're not here to serve, but to serve. That's what it looks like. And they don't constantly, I don't think they have, I don't know if they have that verse memorized or not, but they know what they're here for. And they're going to end up where they're supposed to be. I don't know their last days. They don't know their last days. But really, does it really matter about our last days? What matters is this moment when we turn right or left. I was, I was sharing this message with Steph this morning, and um, man, she's good. <laughs> and she said, she has this, this job that she does. It's not really a job. She does it because she loves it. And um, she gets clothes out of the deal. So she shows up at this boutique and, and, and she hears these women that are coming in sometimes and they're just so bummed. They're just so sad. And um, because they're not getting what they want. And she said, I just want to tell them, look, it's not about getting, it's about giving. You're not here to receive, you're here to give, and that's how you're going to get this full life. And then you won't complain, because as you give, you don't complain. If you give out of a heart that can see Jesus and know his love for you. For even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve. You're miserable if only you knew this. And she shares that with the people she knows, but she just sees these women and these men, and they're just they're not happy. Because like that man, he built his bigger barns, but he's still not happy. I want to invite the worship team up, and I want to close uh, with this. You guys can stay seated. I'm short. So if you stand up, you won't see me. 
So we have our baptisms in July. And we've just been baptizing, and we, we share with people ahead of time. We send an email, and we've recently been saying, you know, we've got to be, this is a big deal. Because if you want to know what baptism means, it means that you've set up your GPS. It means that you've decided, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to surrender everything to him. He has everything. He has my bacon. He has my time. He has my talents. He has all of my possessions. He has me. And I'm going to be here to serve. Not to be served, but to serve. And I know that there are probably things in my life right now where I need to be rerouted. I may not know that yet. I may not agree with that yet, but I give him everything. We want all of you who, are, who, are, who have been baptized or considering being baptized, or someday in the future, we want to go over this with all of you. When you're being baptized, this is a big deal. You're saying, I belong to the Lord. I've made this decision. Much like getting married. And you're saying, I belong to him. And I'm giving him everything. Know what you're getting yourself into. This is not like, hey, you're in the club. You know, when you join a frat and they make you eat, well, 50 bananas or whatever they make you, I don't know, whatever the dumb stuff is this is not like, oh, I, if I want to join the cult, I better go do this water thing they do. No, it means you belong to Jesus. And you're making a decision to follow him. You're not the church doesn't baptize you. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> you need to know the decision you're making. And then we will be a part of your baptism where you say, Lord, you're in charge. That's why if you were a baby at one time like I was, and my mom said, well, I guess we're supposed to do this. And they took me to the church and they sprinkled on me. And she said, okay, he's baptized. Whew. Check that off the list. That wasn't a decision I made. And there's nothing wrong with that. But each of us needs to come to that decision. Are we going to follow the Lord? And a baptism is the outward symbol of that. Am I just pressing these things over and over again? <laughs> I just, why didn't you say something, Melissa? You saw it happening. If my zipper down, would you tell me? Have I had a snot coming out of my nose? <laughs> so they're trying to get this up for you. It's July 16th. So if you want to get baptized, we want to be a part of that. But you need to know, where do you stand? So we don't want, like, oh, I better get back. No, not I, sh not I have to. I choose to. Like we talked about last week. It's not that you have to, you choose to. So let me pray for us. Could you stand with me? Father God, these, uh, these songs are our prayers. Whether we know them or not, Lord, we... We want to see clearly. We know what it's like to be that man, Lord. We have fears. We have insecurities. We want to have, we want to be satisfied. We want to be satiated. And Lord, the, some of the good looking, smelling things in life seem to be the answer. But what is, Lord? Please fill us when we do what is right. Please encourage us. When we choose to serve rather than be served, show us that we're on the right path. Encourage us. Because Lord, more than anything, deep down, we want to arrive at our destination, Lord, and know that you are pleased. So tell us that here on earth, Lord. If we're, if we're misdirected, we, well, I can't say all of us agree to that, Lord, but I pray that you put on our hearts to, to know that we can trust you that you're not going to beat us up, but that you're just going to redirect us and take us where we were always meant to be. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
I'm struck by thinking about Jesus coming with love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, and self-control in mind. And that behind all of his activity, it was so that we could live into that. Because his service and that ransoming was so that we could not be guilty, but just not end up not being guilty, but to experience joy, to experience love. And so we have this example of it is finished. And that's a quite heroic statement that I don't know about myself. Maybe some of us may have a similar kind of heroism in our service. But it's also that same person that laid his hands on kids and blessed them. So for you, it might be remembering to wake up a bit earlier to get off the sleepy face so you can remember to smile at your kids when they get up. Or it could be something a bit more heroic than that. But our service does still create that space for others to live into joy. So may we consider those targets, being the fruit of the Spirit, when we cruise into our work weeks, going back home, going to see in-laws, joy and love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. May the love of God fill you guys. May you live into that first so that you can give it to others. Amen? Amen. Amen.